Hello, hello, beautiful people. Welcome to 321 New Kitten. Bobby the Awesome here. It is March 23rd. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> I already had my coat on and my keys and I was going to go to the gym and they don't open for another hour. <laughs> so here I am. You get me first. Today's calendar says you've got this. So I guess that means I have to get my butt going at quarter to five instead of four to make sure I still go to the gym. Anyway, I went to group last night and I went to group on Saturday. And by group, I mean at the center. And there's a theme that I've never really talked about on here specifically. And I just kind of want to throw it out there as food for thought because there was a f- there was a few people that I have different situations with this. And I understand this as well. And I'm guessing that you might too if you're in the addiction arena, whether it's you or you're listening because someone else is impacting you. But here's the, here's the concept. We have, we have one person who is in recovery for gambling and she has a son who's addicted to drugs and not doing well. And what, what came up on Saturday was that his usage or her powerlessness over his addiction is a trigger for her addiction. And then last night, there was a, a young fella, and it, he was telling us the story. He's got a couple weeks clean, and I guess it's been a roller coaster, you know, as, as the journey usually is. And he wants to go he wants to go to inpatient treatment and he was trying to broach the subject with his mom and in the conversation it had come up that in his conversation with us it had come up that his mom is in recovery and that whole theme of if we do well for a minute or a week or a month as addicts that we expect we expect people to notice or to start trusting us again or all of that, which is another completely different rabbit hole. What was interesting was this dynamic of because she's in recovery, I'm imagining she knows to not enable or be a codependent or whatever all those fancy little words are. Tough love, all of those things. But I just found it really, like, it was a very valid point that I wanted to bring up. Because what if we know that we know that as gamblers, chances of us being cross-addicted or having another vice, to put it simply, is, is quite possible. But then what is the recovery journey, and I guess the addiction journey for that matter, What does that look like when you're dealing with other people who are either addicted or in recovery? Like I said, I don't know that we've ever chatted about that in in any great detail. I'm sure different topics overlap on how to deal with that. But I guess what I would, I would, I'm giving you homework before I even do the daily reading. How about that? If you're in that situation, I guess what I would ask you to do is, is just, think about it for a couple minutes like reflect on it is is this 
you know, if you're a mom out there, do you have a child that's using so then you find that you're coping with more wine at night or or gambling or whatever the thing is? Or if you're someone who's trying to quit gambling and you have people around you that are really close that are in recovery, what does that relationship look like? What what kind of conversations can you have? Do you have trust? Can you have a conversation with them about trust? What are the boundaries? It was just, like I said, because it showed up two meetings in a row with different perspectives, I just thought that it was interesting and I would share that with you today. So moving on to today's reading. Oh, I like this. This this quote comes from one of uh, one of the authors I read, Dale Carnegie. The only way to get the best of an of an argument is to avoid it. The only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. Let's see what this has to say. Because right now my brain is going to. Avoidance doesn't really help things. So let's see what this says. Maybe he, all right, I'll stop speculating. Here we go. Nobody wins an argument when our energy is directed toward making someone else wrong. Our feeling of defensiveness is a red flag that can warn us when tempers are getting out of hand. We will meet many people in life who will not see things our way. Believing we are right and trying to prove it to someone else is usually a one-way ticket to hurt and resentment. There are some people who seem determined to argue. (laughs) They seem never to have learned the art of listening and negotiation. Deep insecurity and spiritual pain may cause them to become master fighters. Inside, though, they feel so little power that their egos become involved in in being right and proving others wrong. If we're like that, we need to work extra hard to restore our self-esteem. If we know people like that, we'd need to try to be patient. We need to try to understand their pain and tolerate their fears. Power-based arguments are usually attacking and hurtful. Learning to back down and choose peace is the mark of a solid spiritual recovery program. Today, let me take a deep breath and choose peace when I feel my red flag of defensiveness flying. This is why I have another podcast, guys, The Recovering Entrepreneur Show. Because there is so much crossover in how we handle ourselves. Dale Carnegie was like one of the wealthiest men in the world. And there's a business crossover, especially when it comes to emotions with recovery and business. So, okay. I had had so many thoughts going through my head when I was reading this. The first was of... uh, I love my ex-husband. I really do. He was, he is a good guy. But when it, this argument piece about being right, um, he was the first person that came to mind. And not just with me, mostly with his brothers. And I shouldn't really laugh at it. I don't even know. He may still not even be talking to one of his brothers, which would be really unfortunate. Not that I'm to judge. It's not like I hang out with mine every day. But, um, I don't feel any animosity with mine. I just don't, I choose to not argue with him. Um, so that's kind of what's interesting about the reading is it's it's telling us that we have a choice to argue and fuel the fire or to not argue. 
And then it goes on to say that it sounds like we need to work on our self-esteem. I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe it is. Maybe it's people argue because they need validation to feel right. Maybe they don't have their own validation. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons. I'm learning, especially through this show and through the research and the meetings and, you know, I don't need to win the arguments anymore. I don't even need to try to win the arguments anymore. I've come to realize, especially in recovery, it's so cool. And and one of my greatest recovery mentors, you know, is Paul from Recovery Elevator. I think he's really set the stage on this is it doesn't have to be one way. And one of my biggest things that ticks me off, not that I'll argue about it, but I'll tell you, this is one of those things that I practice because I can be opinionated, as you know, but I don't want to create bad juju, I guess. So I'll use the Facebook groups as an example. When people post money comments, now, mind you, I try to be really mindful of this on here, and I even hate that I have to talk about casinos or different kinds of bets or money or whatever, because that's been so programmed in my head from the GA culture. And it's not a bad thing, because it can be triggers for different people. I, I, I told the group the other day that... Um, they were posting every day about bracket, bracket, bracket. And I'm like, whoa, guys, I never really even got into this, but I don't, just the fact that you're saying it, it generated, it stirred something in me. Not like I wanted to go gamble, but just this like, eh, do we need to, do we need to say bracket? Like, I don't even think about March Madness, but when, and see, I feel bad doing it to you too, but I don't even think about it. Until someone mentions it. Like, I don't watch the news, right, or or TV very much. I mean, I still get whiffs of it. Even in my business trainings, they talk about it. In my old jobs, they used to do it. So it was everywhere. So I can't definitely exclude it. But in the gambling group, I noticed that there was something about it that I didn't like it being there. Well, anyway, back to my point. In the In the very gamblers anonymous rooms and I may have shared this with you before but it's just a it's a pain point for me and I struggle because there is a part of me that wants to go in there and argue and be like you're not doing this right but I keep not doing that so someone will post there was a lady recently who posted an amount and it wasn't like hey I won xyz it was kind of the the, the context of the post, the way I read it, and this is what's dangerous about text anyway, it's all open for interpretation, was I'm overwhelmed and I'm hopeless because I've lost XYZ. And she got some supportive feedback, but then she also got the guy or the girl or whoever it was, you know, like basically saying, I, I feel you, but can you take that number? Can you edit the post to get rid of the number? So really think about this. This is the part that upsets me. Well, maybe you don't have to think about this. I thought about this enough for both of us. If someone is in despair and hopeless and overwhelmed 
and defeated and just not in a good spot. First of all, as fellow addicts, I would like to think we understand and respect that and would want to offer some hope and help and whatever. But if we can relate to those feelings, would we want someone like poking us when we're down? It's like kicking in the teeth. So that really doesn't sit well with me. And of course, my instinct, right, is I want to I want to fight for the lady and I want to tell the person who's criticizing or pointing out this dollar amount thing that they're basically picking an argument. But then I'm picking an argument to say that. So this is this is one of those funny re- recovery cycles that I've been lost in in the last couple of years. There's just what's what's right, what's recovery, what's not recovery. Am I acting with my attitude or my gratitude? I, you know, sometimes it's just I don't know that there's necessarily a right answer. And in the twenty questions of GA, it says do arts do arguments, frustrations, something to that effect, create the urge to gamble. And most of the time, from my experience, most people answer that yes. I don't I don't actually know that I've ever heard a no to that, quite honestly. So why, if we know that, and we people in GA, if we know that, and we know that that question is part of the culture, and we're trying to defend that culture, would we pick an argument about something else? Because I don't see it. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen it in the combo book that we can't talk about money in a group. Now I know we shouldn't be talking about war stories, but. That whole money thing never showed up until I moved here in New York, at least from what I could tell. I mean, it's in the online world, so it must be a thing. But in Kansas, we didn't really, I don't remember us getting really hung up on that. And I don't, like I said, I don't remember it being in the GA combo book, which to me is the GA Bible, right? It's not necessarily the, there's definitely more literature and maybe it says it somewhere or maybe it's in the bylaws. But again, it's a self, it's a, it's a, it's not a elect. Well, maybe it is elected. I don't know. It's not a formal. It is formal. What am I trying to say here? It's not like it's Congress. It's a group of peers of addict peers making the rules. And my perception is, if we're really in recovery, we're not going to be looking for arguments, and we're going to try to do a good job to help each other out. So. That's that's my GA example of arguments. Um, a personal example, it's hard. I really don't argue with people, so I'm trying to think of a good personal example. Of course, the exes always come to mind, right? So a few weeks ago, uh, there were some boundaries broken, you know, with the late night texting and the, the bullshit, and... That could have started an argument for sure. And I was pissed, honestly, but I didn't go on the attack, right? I just waited (laughs) and then we had an adult conversation, not in the heat of the moment. Like, dude, you're breaking, you're breaking boundaries here. You kept me up. It impacted me this way. Um, I know you're saying probably, well, you don't have to 
answer or respond or whatever. But for me, what ended up happening is when it's going back and forth and depending on the topic matter, even when I try to stop, my brain races and I can't sleep. So I don't like to go to bed with no resolution. So that's on me. Uh, but instigating it was on him for sure. I will say that I'm I'm grateful that today we can have conversations that are productive like he knows if he ever tries that shit on me again like I am gonna say nothing probably I'll I'll just say goodnight and go away and put the phone in the other room or do something but now I've made that super clear and that's my resolution because like I said I can't fall asleep without resolution so next time I'll still have that pain where I feel guilty like I should be responding because to me that's just rude and, and that might sound like an excuse, but whether it was him or anybody, I just don't think that we should ignore people. So again, it's one of those gray areas. It's, it's really tricky, this recovery stuff sometimes. The moral of the story today, as I go in 8 million directions, is let's, let's not argue as our first go-to Let's pause. Let's think about if there's a better way to handle situations. Is it writing a letter to the person that you don't ever give to them to just get out your feelings or your side of it? I know for me that if I if I do that approach or or voice memo myself or do whatever, when I reflect back on it, it's like, oh yeah, like what was the point? Not that my points aren't valid, but you you ultimately know usually that the person will never adapt to the way your perspective is, right? That's why we're arguing in the first place. There's two totally different perspectives. Have you ever have you ever argued so much that you changed someone's mind? I haven't. Listen to me pausing for you to really think about that, like you're going to answer me back. That was kind of funny. I can't think of a time where I argued my way into changing someone's mind or persuading them to feel differently about something. However, I've had productive conversations where we can get to an agreement, which is way different than an argument. And an agreement, whether the agreement is to agree to respect each other's opinions or maybe move the needle and be open-minded about something. And that goes back to who we're hanging out with and the kind of relationships we're having. Because if we have people in our lives that are closed-minded to our views and stuff, that's not going to help. That's why I'm tripped up a little about it having to be about our self-esteem. Is it really about our self-esteem? Or is it about the people that we're not around? Or maybe it's the people we're around we're making those choices because we don't feel like we're worthy of hanging out with the better crew. I, I don't know. It's going to be different for everybody, but it's good to think about this. And I'm going to actually, I'm going to focus on this when I go to the gym now here in a little while, because it'll be open <laughs> when I'm done talking to you. I'm going to think about this. Have I ever argued with someone so much that I won versus having a conversation and finding agreement, coming to agreement? That's what I'm going to think about. All right. I love you, beautiful people. I am going to... Oh, my God. There's people outside my window. It's 4.30 in the morning. 
I live in a ghetto place. I don't know if I told you that or not. It's ghetto. Anyway, I'll get over that. Have a beautiful day, my friends, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.